Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We're both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee or hot chocolate. This is episode number seven. Today we're talking about favorite beat and meter songs and activities in the music room. We'll also share some highs and lows from our school week. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And so now we've reached the part where we share our high notes and our low notes from this week. What have you got for us, Carrie? Well, I'm going to share a low note, Tanya. Okay. Um, I have been battling a cold, as I'm sure many music teachers this time of year are. And last week, it finally got to the point where I just needed to take a day off to rest and spent some time preparing substitute plans and put in my substitute request in our subsystem probably noon the day before. You did all the things you were I supposed to do. I did all the things I was supposed to do, and no one picked up my sub job. And this is just kind of a constant battle that we have in our district. Yeah. I don't know if others do, just a general yeah, sub, there shortage. Is a sub shortage. And considering that I work in a high need school, we especially don't tend to get subs Ugh. as much as others because it's it's a challenging school and some subs are just concerned about coming to our school. I understand. Um so that was frustrating and, and more so frustrating for my teammates because when I don't get a sub then the art teacher and the PE teacher have to absorb my classes and so you end up with a class and a half and it's that's a lot of it's a lot of kids um so that happened last week and then of course being a teacher and a mother then my son got sick last night with a fever knowing that I would have to take the day off to uh, stay home with him I put in again for a sub last night and didn't get a sub today. That's just and not right. Luckily, my husband's schedule is flexible, and so we kind of split the time. So I ended up going back into work. But um, it's just a general vent frustration. Well, and that's scary to think that you can't take that time that you need to take exactly for your health, yeah. your kids' health. And our principal is always very supportive and saying, you know, take time when you need it. If you feel like you're sick, don't push yourself, don't come to work. But the whole time you're home and you're trying to relax and rest and feel better, you're feeling guilty right. uh, for, for your teammates. I would teammates be stressed out about the animosity that might build up exactly. among the other teachers yeah. if they have to take on more. Right. And luckily, I have a wonderful team, and they're very understanding, and we've all had to cover for each other at least once or twice, and they know I'm a mom, and these things happen, but I still feel bad. And then, of course, the problem also extends to if a classroom teacher is out without a sub. Um, Like, for example, we had a fifth-grade teacher who was out for two days didn't have a sub either one of those days so then those fifth grade kiddos get end up getting split into their classes but they split them not just among fifth grade but also into fourth grade as well so then I'll have a fourth grade class come in with some fifth graders sprinkled in who are really uninterested in what we're doing because it's what they did last year sometimes they kind of take that oh I'll be a leader but not so much this so week. How can that work in the classroom too? Exactly, because then mean, you're trying to do our curriculum messed grade up, levels. but it must also be. Oh yeah. How does that affect like everybody? I, I mean, thank goodness for iPads, because I think in our school, because we're a one-to-one school, unfortunately, the kids just end up spending a lot of time on technology. So you don't have like other adults that can step in and do. 
Um, not necessarily. Okay. Yes and no. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes I yes, sometimes no. It just depends on it what just meetings seems like, are that day. You know, and... one person is gone, it never yeah. gets going down. Exactly. And so it was just, it was a difficult week because I was sick and then other people in the building have been sick and it's just been a difficult week in my school uh, because of that. That's a but drag. I'm better now. My son's better now. So okay. hopefully everything's back and to normal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about you, Tanya? Please have a high note, I, I actually, I do have a high note. <laughs> Yay. Um, so uh, today I um, was doing a dance with fourth grade, which is really not a fourth grade dance. I usually do this one. I do bingo in uh, the beginning of third grade. And it's one that I learned from Martha Riley at an O conference a long time ago. So it's the B-I-N-G-O, 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 and bingo was his name. Oh, And then there's that B-I-N-G-O. And you can't see me, but I'm doing the grand right She's and left. She's pantomiming grand right and left. Yeah. She's doing it very well. Too. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite grand right and left introduction things and the grand right and left is when you are facing your partner um, you're in a circle you're facing your partner you take their right hand but then you step forward and you take the next person's left hand so you're weaving in and out of the circle mm -hmm. and trading partners and it's great with bingo because it's on those letters B and then you move forward I move forward and anyway so um, teaching the grand right and left is something that I it's it's taken me quite a long time to really figure out how to do it the most successfully and the quickest. Yeah, Because this is one of those things, grand right and left, I remember, oh gosh, several years ago when I wouldn't touch this, I wouldn't touch a grand right and left, because it's so, it was so tedious. Yeah. Because if you get one kid who <laughs> is like, I'm only gonna use my right hand, it falls apart. Oh yeah. Or if you get one kid who's like, oh, you know what, I gotta go get a tissue, it's over. Oh yeah. And so, <laughs> And it used to really get me, um, like, just stressed out. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, everybody, we're doing this, you know. And and then it's really no fun right. when we're like, this is happening, <laughs> or else. And uh, anyway, so with fourth graders, we were doing bingo. Um, and honestly, we learned the grand right and left back in second grade, and in third grade, we really haven't done. When they were third graders last year. They didn't do any dances that included a grand right and left. Several folk dances, but we didn't revisit that particular move. So today, in fourth grade, I'm like, okay, can't wait to see how this goes. Um, but I retaught it in like a very truncated version of reteaching it. And um, then we did it, and oh my gosh, it worked the first time. Yay. And I thought, whoa, let's check this out again. And then it worked the second time. And then we were able to just roll with it and do the song several times in a row and, and get that momentum. And it was a lot of fun. And they loved it. And oh my gosh. Did I you just, take a video of it? You know what? I thought about it. And then I was <laughs> I was in the moment. I know. So I really didn't whip out the, the I, I do that when my kids are being really successful at something like that because then I'm to show other classes, well, yes. like, hey, look, if your peers can do it. I didn't so want to jinx it, you know, the no, second you take true. out that, like, iPod. This is true. Or, I'm sorry, iPhone. Well, no. I, I device. I device. <laughs> um, and you start filming, um, then there's somebody who, this you know, it's just fate. So I just, I just let that be a moment. Sounds fun. <laughs>
So for today's main theme, we're going to be focusing on steady beat activities as well as meter activities. Yes, because it's super duper important. <laughs> of course. <laughs> You're not going to teach music without addressing steady beat. That's right. And meter at some point. So, um, of course, steady beat happens, well, you know, extremely early if you can... Uh, if you can get to the womb um, before <laughs> the kid's born and, um, you know, do your steady beat things uh, at, when children are very, very young, that's always preferable. I remember, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell a little story here. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> me and my friend Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Becca. Um, we have sons um, around the same age and uh, we were pregnant together and we became great friends before we were pregnant and then we were pregnant at the same time and then our boys were really good friends and anyway so we were at some um, kind of outdoor festival and I can't remember what it was it doesn't matter and I had my son in a stroller she had her son in her stroller and we we're just wandering around and we stopped to listen to this band uh, and uh, my son Jude he was kicking his feet uh, to the beat to the beat to the beat Aww. and um, there was a nearby person, a woman was standing there and she was really amused and she came over and she said, oh my gosh, your son is like in time with the music. And <laughs> he I said, better be. yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> I said, yeah, in tune singing and steady beat before age one. Thanks. Yeah. Anyway, so um, it's something that really can happen very, very early. But of course, when they're coming to you in kindergarten or in first grade is the case with me, um, it's not always there. Right. And it's, when I started teaching music, I was kind of like bowled over by how many kids did not internalize that steady beat of true. hearing any music. Or have you been to a, you know, concert or sporting event or something where adults are not able to maintain a steady beat yeah. and you think, this is why I do what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I took this aerobics class many years ago and... Um, it was the first time I had taken it with this instructor, and she was she was not moving on the beat or the phrase. Oh wow! Which was like so you just really had to weird. walk out of that class. Well, I mean, you know, I wasn't rude, but I wasn't back. Uh, so yeah, it's very important. I think this is something that as musicians we take for granted. We just think, and I know as a beginning music teacher, yeah. I just walked in thinking, of course, everybody, you know, you you hear especially rock music, pop music, hip hop music is in your face. You've got that. How can sure. you not move to it? Right. Yeah. Not the case always. Right. Right. So of course, you know, when you're, when you're trying to introduce this concept of steady beat, but without naming it necessarily, mm -hmm. it's going to be mostly movement at yeah. this stage. Oh yeah. So, um, I, as I'm fortunate enough to have my kindergartners, we do a lot of just moving to the steady beat activity, whether mm -hmm. it's through singing or recorded music or, or having experiences of attempting a beat on an instrument, although like you said, it's not natural, so it's not always clicking right away. Yeah, but it's got to um, But the more we do it and the more they hear it and I say, oh, I really like how so-and-so is playing right with me, mm -hmm. um, they start to really tune in on that. Right. So having some of those opportunities through movement especially is yeah. really Yeah, and if we had an Adele Crows teacher here, yes, we would be talking about how, you know, Adele Crows said that the body is the first instrument. Exactly. And then... Again, as far as instructing, they would say you take the tempo of the child always. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of um, ORF people are on board with that, taking the tempo from the child. Yes. Yes. And I can't say that I purely do that. 
I do that occasionally. I make an effort to do that, but mm-hmm. um, I do a lot of like, here's the beat, let's move to it right? kind of thing. Um, and then, well, I know we've talked about it, and I, I mention this a lot um, when I teach in the summer. Um, Kodai Level 1 is that Fire Robin, John Fire Robin, he, I heard him speak, well, I've heard him speak, speak several times, of course, in workshops and things, but he always stresses that if you are having little kids find the steady beat, it's got to be 120 or faster. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, right after I heard him say that for the first time, I kind of like explored in my music room because he was talking about, you know, Sousa March is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I went, okay, let's see. And kind of explored in my, um, with my kindergartners at the time because I was teaching kindergartners way back when. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's right on that if you play something that is pretty slow, it is really challenging for those little ones to find that steady beat and to maintain it. Right. And we want to set them up for success. Oh, yeah. Especially in those early stages. So. Exactly. Um, so I, I provide my kindergartners lots of opportunities to move and feel the beat. And I probably will, will say the word steady beat. It's not something that I'm like trying to keep some grand secret. But I don't really make it conscious visually um, and emphatically until first grade. And I'm, you don't have kindergarten, Tanya, so it'll be no. the same for you. Yeah. So one of my go-to songs for Steady Beat is the song Bluebird. There's many versions of Bluebird <laughs> songs Bluebirds. out there. But the one that I do with my first graders is uh, purposeful because it's just all quarter notes the whole way through. Mm-hmm. So they are just inherently doing the beat the oh, whole sing way yours, through. Hear okay, it. this is I learned this version from Joe Kirk in yeah. Level 1 Kodai. It goes like this. Bluebird, bluebird, through my window. Bluebird, bluebird, through my window. Bluebird, bluebird, through my window. Won't you be my partner, dear? Oh. I mean, I had Joe as well. And I I learned that one. Yes. But I guess I've forgotten it because now I do that one up until the end, but I go, oh. Johnny, are you tired? And again, there's many versions, but yeah. that's the one that I have in my folk song collection. Oh, so excellent. that's the one that I go with. Um, and the game is is the students hold hands to make windows, and one student is the bluebird, and they go in and out the blue the windows. The windows are children holding hands, and then they put their arms up to create those windows. And then at the end, they choose a child to go with them, and then it makes a chain. So you start with one child going through the windows, and there's two children going through the windows, and then there's three, and so on and so on. And I don't always play it until all the children are in the chain, but the first time I do, Mm -hmm. um, so they get that experience. Um, But because the song has that just quarter, quarter, quarter on the steady beat, that leads to lots of opportunities to do things like a steady beat chart Mm -hmm. on the board, where there will be a series of bluebird icons, and I always do it the first couple times, just teaching them that left to right tracking, where we're tapping on the bluebirds as we're singing the song. But because there's no rhythm other than the quarter notes, they're really they're able not to feel the, that, that beat. Part yeah. 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 And then when we make the beat conscious, uh, we talk about how music has a steady beat, just like our heartbeat. And this is where Kodai teachers bring in the idea of the heartbeat literally each beat is represented with a heart so on the smart board I take a little heart icon and we superimpose it on top of each one of those bluebirds and now we've created a steady heartbeat chart that we'll be using 
forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll be seeing that steady heartbeat chart for a long yeah. time after that. Yeah, and there's lots of variants of that um, that you can find as far as like beat charts that show the bluebirds or show uh, the apples or show. I have a set in my TPT store. Um, lots of people do of beat charts. Um, I was using one recently for Queen Queen Caroline. Mm -hmm. Watched it with crowns. Yeah. Um, and and those are wonderful to use. And yeah, then you have the hearts and you can just use those hearts all the time. And I really love that we're talking about this right now because Valentine's Day is coming up. Exactly. And if you like to go to Target or <laughs> at the Dollar Tree or the Dollar Store, I bet you can find a bunch of heart things. Yeah, yeah. heart manipulatives yeah. for the kiddos to use. When we uh, do Steady Beat in first grade, because that's what I've got, um, I... I like to say, well, you know, you're alive. You've got your heartbeat. And we talk about how if you're running around uh, in PE, your heartbeat's going to be faster. And I don't really mention the word tempo quite yet. Mm -hmm. But we talk about how your heartbeat is steady even after you've been running around or when you've been sleeping um, and you're waking up, your heartbeat is slower, but your heartbeat is steady. Yeah. Steady, steady. And that all living things have a heartbeat. And music is alive. It's got a heartbeat. And then, of course, I always have some young whippersnappers say, well, plants are alive. <laughs> Where's their heartbeat? Yeah, I go, well, we, just, we haven't found that yet. I don't know. <laughs> or it's always really fun when uh, a child then starts to talk about, oh, well, so-and-so in my family, their heart stopped. <laughs> and then, oh, wow. And then we have one of those conversations, you know. Yeah, that does happen. Yes. And then I, too, immediately relate it to, well, what if our heartbeat stops in the middle of our song? What happens to our song? The song the dies. The song dies. And there's kind of Don't a dramatic song. moment. But, I mean, it's true. And they, they do relate to that in a sad, morbid right. way. <laughs> and, you know, in our curriculum, in our district, um, I remember a while ago when we were revamping some things and we were talking about beat and no beat music with no beat yeah and we I mean it's in there but we kind of came to the conclusion that there's not a lot of music with no beat right. I mean I, I know there's a lot of atmospheric um what are you I'm new sorry agey new age yes stuff. yeah when you're getting a massage you're gonna hear some music that right. might but even a lot of that it does have a beat it's just super slow right. right so Gregorian chant there's your go-to sure yeah that does make sense yeah but are you really going to get into that with first graders um no, probably not no. no so when they hear Gregorian chant <laughs> booming over their uh parents um car I guess they're just lost yeah that's true where's the beat <laughs> yeah so I don't do a lot of addressing no beat a tiny bit but but really not much so some other go-to songs um, you mentioned Bluebird, Bluebird. Um, uh -huh. I do in first grade, here comes a Bluebird. The game is the same way. Sure, sure yeah. Yeah. And so many of the songs and chants that we use in first grade and, I mean, and from there on out are excellent for beat work. Um, I like to do a lot of chants, especially when we get into the difference between beat versus rhythm mm -hmm. because then there's no melody there to bring in as Muddle an extra thing to confuse them. Yeah. Right? So um, right now with my first graders, we are just getting into rhythm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hope this is a judge-free zone 
because um, I know it's February, but this is just the world that I live in. Well, and if you don't any... have kindergarten, right, exactly. you've got to do a lot of I spent a lot up. of time setting up all the comparatives, sure. and actually it does pay off. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of chants, and we talk about the long sounds and short sounds, but when we're doing those chants, we talk about how you can make anything into a chant, and you can make anything have a beat. And this is where you can bring in a lot of awesome books. Mm -hmm. Like, I love hand, hand, fingers, thumb. Oh, one yes. One thumb, one thumb, drumming on a drum. And we say, okay, what if I read it like this? Hand, hand, um, fingers, thumb, one thumb, one thumb, drumming on a drum. It's kind of hard to read it without a beat. Yeah. Um, and you know, it kills me when I hear classroom teachers read a book that is a song or a chant and they don't realize it. Right. Have you ever yes. run across that? Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to just, you know, I. Different I wanna, set of training. It, it is a different training. <laughs> but yeah, every once in a while I might hear somebody and I'll like just kind of tactfully you start just go. Patting the steady No, no, not, <laughs> not in front of them. But maybe I'll be like, oh my gosh, I love Over in the Meadow. Did you know it's a song? <laughs> right. Right. You could actually sing these things too. Yes. So anyway, I don't mean to derail us on beat, but um, another good one that is a lot of people's favorite go-to for so many things is apple tree, apple tree, yes. will your apples fall on me? I won't cry, I won't shout, if your apples knock me out. And I know some people um, do, I won't cry and I won't shout, and they have a eighth note in there. I think that's how I do it. Is that? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I, now that I'm thinking of I it. I say, I won't cry, I won't shout. Oh, Actually, I do say the end. It's <laughs> funny that I had to think about it. I think I used to say, I won't scream, I won't shout. Ooh, yeah. I know, that's not right at all. Um, um, well, and that brings up the whole uh, concept of passing games. Yeah. Which I know you and I probably have a slight difference of opinion from what I understand. Because, oh. well, I'll, I'll just say, you know, passing game is the idea where you're passing an object on the steady beat. So I actually traditionally do apple tree um, in second grade, even though it's very doable in first grade. It's kind of my first day of second grade game because we're practicing that steady beat. You can use it to practice Taz and Titi's, and then it's a great setup for dough. Yeah, it's my favorite dough Later song. on, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I have a plastic apple, and I actually have them passing the apple on the steady beat. And I know you and I have talked to Tanya <laughs> in side conversations about expectations of younger children, mm -hmm. whether or not we really should expect them to pass an item on the beat. Um, I will say that I have had success with it, but I usually do give them from some scaffolding where I'm playing a steady beat on a drum. Mm -hmm. or some sort of non, you know, percussive instrument to kind of help them along. And when I do that, it does help them. Yeah. And if they are not passing on the beat, I do stop the game and I, I make a, a moment of it. So. I understand. I used to, and then I was driving myself crazy. Yeah. And I was <laughs> taking the, the fun away from it. <laughs> right. Um, and something else I, I realized is when you're having kids pass one thing, mm -hmm. it is really challenging for them to be on the beat unless they're doing that motion, whether or not the object is there. This is true. So like when we do button, you must wander. Um, I set it up so everyone has their hand in front. Everyone has their right hand hovering above their left hand. Their left hand's going to receive. Their right hand's going to pass. And we practice going pick, pass, pick, pass. Pick. And if they're not picking and passing, then when that button shows up, they're not on the beat. And the unfortunate thing is that a lot of times when the button shows up, if they've been on the beat, just 
something different. Oh no, there's a button there, like throws them off. Right. So this is why early on, especially in first grade, when we do a button, you must wander. I just let it happen let how it it's go. gonna happen. And then <laughs> later on, um, in second grade, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that this is on the beat. Yeah. Right. I mean, we still do other things like we tap the beat chart. Um, we are moving to it. Of course. Uh, but yeah, this was something that used to drive me crazy mm-hmm. when I was, um, you know, insistent on, oh my gosh, we're passing on the beat, kids. Right. Yeah. I think it depends on, I mean, for me, if I'm specifically using the song as a steady beat song, yes, then they need to pass on the beat or I'll else the game doesn't relate to the concept and therefore... What's the point? But if the I game understand. is just kind of a fun extension of you're teaching the song for other reasons, then yeah, maybe yeah. not such a big deal. My big thing with Apple Tree or any sort of thing is just that their hands are up and ready and that their eyes stay on the object. Mm-hmm. If I if I have them do those two things, they're usually pretty successful. Um, I, I often say before every round of Apple Tree, not too fast and not too slow. Hands are ready. Here we go. Right. And it gets a little tedious, but having them have their hands ready is really the key to that one. Right. And I don't use Apple Tree as a passing game at all. I do the bridge. Yeah. Thing. That's true. There are many other versions of Apple Tree. And then I there, get the those kids who, well, I've played it a number of different ways, but oftentimes um, after we've done the bridge where uh, kind of like London Bridge, once you're captured in the bridge, you become part of the bridge, and then either the bridge is moving or the circle is moving. Right. A lot A lot of times after we've done it that way, then the next time I'll have kids who get out go to an instrument. Right. And they're just playing a simple Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And I set up up in advance because I want them to explore the beat with many different things. Sure. And, you know. I have a little basket of those little apple shakers. Ooh. Those little percussion apple shakers. And yeah. I have enough for every student. Ooh. Those were there before I got to my school. And I was like, perfect for apple tree. Nice. So when they get out in the passing game, when they get out, they get one of the small apples. And they just sit along the bottom step of my risers. And they can tap the beat somewhere on their body. Or they can just shake it in oh, the that's air. that's great. Um, so that's kind of fun. That's so awesome. So used for the apples. Yeah. And speaking of like shakers or objects another thing that's kind of pre-beat chart because a beat chart you know you're tracking and there's usually four lines of of beat to follow right but one thing that I've done before that instead of just keeping the beat on one place um I will put like each kid gets two bean bags in front of them and mm-hmm. they'll go the red one the blue one the red one I mean they don't say that they just tap this one tap that one tap this one that mm-hmm. one. and this of course is in addition to them tapping different places on their body. It's really right. important that they explore different levels, like my shoulders, my knees, my shoulders, my knees. Right. Like, right. And I find that some kids are more successful with the beat when they are putting them in two different places. Yes, than just definitely. The one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and we'll kind of come back to that with meter, too, yeah. because that will circle back. Well, and we I wanted to that. bring that up with um, hand clapping games. Yes. Because hand clapping games are an excellent (laughs) way to practice the beat. Yeah, especially for older kids. Because you want to reinforce it with the older kids. And again, you can't just assume that now that they're fifth graders, you know, they're steady beat solid. Because oftentimes, especially as puberty hits and they they get gangly and Mm -hmm. (laughs) they have a harder time keeping a beat with their new body that they're trying to grow into. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got to mix it up. Um, Yeah. One favorite go-to is four white horses mm-hmm. four white horses on the river because the rhythm is a little bit syncopated and it's an interesting melody 
and um, kind of kooky lyrics, but they're doing this more sophisticated hand clapping yeah. thing. Another one is Liza Jane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just doing that with my fourth graders right All now. Right. Just today I introduced it and they loved it. All right. And another one is My Landlord. My Landlord, ring the front doorbell. Yes. So, yeah, it's yeah. in um, the American Methodology book. Yeah. So. Uh, one that I've done a lot too is the head and shoulders, baby. One, one two, two, three. And yeah, that one's fun because again, the lyrics are syncopated and off the beat, but the clapping patterns were yeah. on the beat. And with older kids, you can do that swingy, slower beat mm-hmm. and they'll just fall right into that. Yeah, it feels good. Yes, it really does. And hand clapping games like that are really fun too with lending itself to children creating their own patterns or their own lyrics Mm -hmm. to change the patterns. So you get lots of chance for improvisation, whether it's text improvisation or game improvisation. Yeah, and that's one thing that um, they love to have ownership. And if you are doing a song that is not a hand clapping game, you can still make it into one. Like... I've been doing two, four, six, eight. Meet me at the garden gate. Mm -hmm. And the kids are clapping both, you know. So they clap Mm -hmm. their own hands and then they clap their partner's hands. High ten, right? Yeah. And just that is um, perfect for them. I tried the other day to go, okay, now let's level up and we'll go legs clap, both clap. And that wasn't happening. With first grade? Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah, that's ambitious. Well, I just thought, you know. Eventually, though, they might get into I get excited. I'm like, we can do this. Can we do that? (laughs) You know? yeah. When they're successful, you want to just push them a little bit further. I know. But for now, they're thrilled with, like, the clap. In fact, I told them it was their homework. Yeah. I said, this is your homework. You're going to go home, and you're going to practice with somebody. Right. Mom or dad or brother or sister or anything. And I said, and if you can't find anybody to practice with. Practice with yourself in the mirror? No, I said. (laughs) I said. That's a good one. <laughs> that would be kind of cute, though. That it? would. I always say the wall is always there for you oh, kids. The wall. And then I like go to the wall and I'm like, check it out. Look, the wall will be there when my hands are there. Yeah. There's the wall. Whenever I teach a clapping game to any grade, that I do the same thing. I say, this is your homework, and then I clarify and say, well, really, this is your recess work, and you need to find a friend at recess. Oh, you need to recess it. work. And isn't that just the best when you look outside? Oh my outside. gosh, I never have said that. That's a great uh, yeah. Idea. I call it recess work, and I when I see them. Do outside you like go clapping, outside and? Well, sometimes I just peek out the window. You give out and... little, little tickets. Well, their... I know when they come back next time because you can tell if they yeah. practice. I know not. if you practice. Um, and it's just really sweet when you see them playing your games outside. I know. I love that. And, of course, we have to talk about moving to recorded mu- music. Yes. Because there's so many awesome songs that you can bring in and have kids move to in a variety of ways, whether they're choreographed, you know, planned out dances, or even if they're, you know, pop music from things that they know where we're just moving yes, to the beat. So that John Fire Robin CD that is all music for steady beat, and I will link to it. I'm, I'm forgetting the actual title. And all of those pieces are in the classical vein, but they are all um, very, very 120 or faster. And uh, some of them are in 3-4, some of them are in 2-4, 4-4, and they're just excellent for kids to hear. And they're not, they're not music, it's not music that they're going to hear probably, most likely, on their own. But um, that's great music to bring in from that genre. But then there's a lot of go-tos. I love um, The Root Beer Rag by Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very zippy, and when I do that with my kids, 
we just have a beat passing activity like, oh, pick your favorite beat motion. And when you hear the triangle, then we go to the next person and we mm -hmm. follow their beat. Yeah. Um, and it's just very basic. But you can, of course, choreograph different kinds of things. Um, what are some of your favorite recorded music to move to? Um, well, I find that this is a great opportunity, like you mentioned, to bring in different genres because we do listen to so much classical music in other situations. Mm -hmm. So this is where I like to bring in something that's maybe something that they already know, something that's poppy, and just kind of give them that little bit of dessert to go yeah. with, yeah. you know, their main course when we're doing so much heavy, you know, reading and things like that, that when we do these steady beat activities, it's, it's kind of a nice relaxation in a way. Right. Um, one song that I love to do is um, Better When I'm Dancing by Megan Trainer. It's just oh. another really poppy, uplifting song and you know, about how life is better when you're dancing. Well, there so you go. I've used fits. happy. Yeah. Oh, that's another great yeah, one, Yeah, I'm a little, I'm over it. But Yeah, um, that one's probably past its time. <laughs> yeah, well, for The kids some. are almost sick of that one, too. But something that, you know, has an uplifting message as well as a good peppy exactly. study beat. Oh, and, you know, um, I used to, around this time of year, do the Cupid Shuffle. Yeah. Because, um, well, Valentine's Day. Exactly. Mardi Gras. Um, all these connections to, uh, you know, the Cupid Shuffle. But right. the kids know it well enough now that I feel like they're they're getting that um, in the rest of their world. Exactly. I like, yeah, but seasonal things are fun. So, like, around Halloween, we'll do, like, a beat, steady beat thing with the Monster Mash or yeah. something like that. So being able to pull in seasonal and holiday things, oh, yeah. too. Oh, next year, me and my PE teacher, we're going to do a flash mob of Thriller. We did that at my uh, former school Ooh, many years ago. Nice. I have some moves that I can loan you. Cool. If can, I can remember can them. practice with me? <laughs> I got to get it together. Yeah, we, we did a whole, we did the whole school. They were dressed in their Halloween costumes. The whole school? The whole school. Oh. And the PE teacher and I were like the ringleaders. And so we, it was like a Halloween parade slash flash mob and we got the whole school outside on the blacktop. We had outdoor speakers, and we blasted Thriller, and they all started to do the dance, and the parents were all there. Awesome. Sorry, this is very odd, off topic. No, but... no, that's that's very <laughs> close. I know I'm late to the party because everybody's – we've all done this before. No, but this is exciting. you know what? I think it's still It's time to doing. bring it back. It is totally. Yeah. And, of course, there's lots of choreographed stuff. Um, New England Dance Masters has – I don't know. How many volumes is it now? Four or five? Right, um, yeah also known as the Amadons. Yes. And uh, there's lots of um, things that are wonderful go-tos. They also have a DVD. I don't know about you, but when I sit down and read Dance Directions, it really is hard for me to visualize. Absolutely. Depending yeah. on the resource. New England Dance Masters do a pretty good job. The rhythmically moving things, oh my gosh. It's hard to follow that. Those are hard to follow. Um, yeah. So it's always great when you can have a DVD. They have a few YouTube videos going mm -hmm. on. So if you can see someone else doing it, there are so many wonderful folk dances yeah. um, that you can bring in for a beat, especially with all grade levels, not just little ones. So now that we have talked a lot about beat, we're going to talk a little bit about meter then yeah. and how we uh, break down that beat into Because meter. we're talking about groups of beats exactly. and where the strong beat is. Yeah. And I think, you know, for a long time, I, I just really taught meter as just a very mathematical thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's two beats in a measure. Where do you put the bar lines at the end? You know, and it, it wasn't. A, yeah. Growing up and taking music lessons, and I, I 
tough, I, I, you know, I played flute, I played the string bass, I sang. No one ever really broke it down, as far as I can remember, and said, the strong beat yeah. is the first beat. Right. And this is how we're grouping things. Yeah. It's so much more musical. To yeah. Think it wasn't of it that really way. until my Kodai training exactly. that that was made really clear. And I went, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I have had the uh, pleasure of taking a Dahl Crow's course as well. I'm not certified, but I've had some experience with that. So, yes, between my Kodai training and my Dahl Crow's training, it's really been eye opening to, um, be able to teach the kids that way to feel yeah. the strong beats and the and the weak beats and it's not something that comes naturally so it comes with a lot of repetition mm-hmm. so I'm actually doing this right now with my first graders like literally today nice. was talking about strong beats and weak beats so it's fresh in my mind and the song that I'm using with my first graders to teach two beat meter is bounce high bounce low of course which was a great song when we were doing steady beat um the song goes bounce High, bounce low, bounce the ball to Shiloh. Just a nice and that's short it. little ditty. Yeah. Um, and I do the game where we pass a, like a playground ball to the steady beat. Oh, and again, okay. like with Apple Tree, I'm usually playing a steady beat like on a paddle drum. Do you get to bounce it. in it? Say that again. Do you get to bounce in the ball? No, we just pass it. Oh. Well, so, okay, then this is where the meter thing comes in. So we're passing the ball. I don't do the bounce, catch, bounce, catch. Okay. I just have them pass, 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 pass. Because, again, first grade, it's a little less complicated. Um, But now that we're doing meter, I'm using individual racquetballs. And so each child has their own ball, and they're doing bounce, catch, bounce, catch, while we're singing the song. And then after we sang the song and did the bounce, catch for many, many repetitions, then we sat down and we talked about how the bounce is a strong beat mm-hmm. and the catch is a weak beat. And we then transferred it to body percussion by going pat. And then like a very light clap, not a big heavy clap, but a pat, clap, pat, clap. And we related it that way. Yeah. And then I did it visually then where on the smart board I had the rhythm for bounce high, bounce low with a steady heartbeat over each individual beat that was not filled in. It was just mm-hmm. an outline. And we color coded all the strong beats red go, and yeah. then the weak beats blue. So they were able to see a visual to go with it. That's awesome. So that's what we're focusing on right now is just strong beats and weak beats. And then we transferred the same pattern to Rain, Rain, Go Away and other songs we've been working on. And then I think next week, once I feel like they're really showing me they're ready, then we'll talk about bar lines and how the bar lines divide the strong beats and weak beats into measures and ta-da and I don't know about you but I I with my first graders and actually probably at least through third grade I do the top number over a heartbeat yes as far as time signature goes I know some people introduce the bottom number a lot quicker but I find that if I'm really just wanting to focus on Uh beats per measure I'm not messing with what that bottom number means it's not necessary (laughs) and it just leads to like confusion yeah and it's it's such a mathematical thing that first graders don't understand what a quarter note is because that implies they understand fractions right so I introduced that whole language of rhythm names and bottom number much later Mm -hmm. so that's where I'm at with uh my two beat meter do you do something similar oh yeah um we do uh I do I we do a lot of feeling the strong beat okay Mm -hmm. where can we put the strong beat now and we explore like them getting creative with like, oh, I'm going to stomp this, the strong mm-hmm. beat and then I'm going to put the weak beat on my shoulders and yeah. that kind of thing. And then visually, again, that whole like Valentine heart stuff, 
I like to find like a heart that's a little bit bigger and then, you know, a one that's a little bit smaller. Right. So you can go to town with that. If you have a smart board, it's really fun on the smart board where you can make it grow a little bit. Yeah. Right. Um, and show the strong beat. Another thing that I do that um, is just one of my very favorite things is I use the um, either colored popsicle sticks, the, the bigger ones, mm -hmm. or um, the colored popsicle sticks that are not actually sticks but foam. Right. Because those don't break right. or splinter. Um, and we'll lay out the rhythm of a song with on the heartbeats. So, I mean, I have the huge heartbeats with Taz and Titi's on them. Mm -hmm. And so we'll lay out um, a rhythm, maybe even just two measures. Well, not measures, but, you know, we'll just lay out like the first line of a rhythm. And then we'll underline the strong beats with the colored oh, foam. Nice. And then we'll talk about how you put the bar line, which is the line underneath, you put that right in front of the strong beat. Yes. But the very first measure is special, it gets an address. It gets the two over the heart saying that we're going to do two beats per measure. Oh, and then yeah. my favorite question is, and what are we measuring? We're measuring beats. There's two beats in every measure. Yeah. We're measuring beats. And that's something they come back to, you know, every grade level. Yeah. When we get to three, four, we're always talking about when we get to four, four, what are we measuring? We're measuring beats. Right. And now it shows us that we've got four beats per measure. Yeah. Right. So... That's a little way that I do that. Love it. You want to talk about three, four? Yeah, yeah. And so with this, you know, using the racquetballs throughout um, any meter that you're doing, um, I then continue that into four, four, and then into three, four later on. So depending on the meter that they're hearing, and this is where I would be playing something like on the piano. So if it's a two beat meter, it's just a boom, chuck, boom, chuck. Mm -hmm. And if it's Four beat, boom, chuck, chuck, chuck. And right. You get the idea. And you can be very Delcrozy so, in this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, this is where I, I learned it from, from my Delcroze friends. Um, so beat one is always bouncing the ball on the floor, and then whatever beats you have left, you need to tap different parts of your body. Mm -hmm. So if you're in 4-4, four, four, it might be bounce, nose, head, elbow, bounce, nose, head, elbow. And you give the kids some ideas, but then, of course, you want them to be creative and come up with their own. Um, so then it's fun once you've taught three, four meter as well, then to do changing meter games where you change the meter on the piano and then they have to right. change the meter that they're doing on their body. Um, I've even done that, you know, this year with fifth and sixth graders and they absolutely loved it yeah that's so much fun yeah and then of course you can then up the ante by then having them have one ball or even two between partners where they're bouncing them back and forth yeah. to each other on beat one and then they really have to zone in on each other and support each oh other my gosh, and yeah. then you add the whole social element we did it. a lovely thing in my level three where we were doing five beat meter and yeah. we all had the racquetballs um, and then you had to bounce it to your person, but another one was coming at you. And uh, it was so much fun, but I've honestly never done it with kids. Yeah, cause, uh, that would get really complicated. Just, <laughs> just one or two <laughs> things flying in the air, but like, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of fun things like that. Yeah. Um, another really great activity for 3-4 especially is there is a uh, Mari stick game 
that um, is Polynesian in descent. Mm -hmm. And um, this is something that the song, and I, I'm not going to say the title because I know I'm going to butcher it, but it starts with the, the lyrics, A Papa Wiry, something to that effect. And um, the song I've been familiar with for a long time because it was in the old Share the Music series. Yeah third grade the green book mm -hmm. and before I did my Kodai training I very much relied on those books and and I still use things from them from time to time and this was one that um it was a nice authentic song and it's in three four and the traditional game or activity is that there are these large sticks that um you use to show the steady beat in three four meter and the one is always tapping the the sticks on the floor so you're reinforcing the strong beat and then throughout the song the pattern changes and we're going to put a link to a really great uh, YouTube video that shows the game and you can hear a really authentic version of the song too but it's just a really great way to get the kids doing three four and meters it's so much fun sticks. to do those stick games. it does yeah and this involves them tossing the sticks to their partner which of course is really fun for older kids yeah. and then I've done it where once I've taught them you know, the, the traditional patterns, then they get to come up with their own. And, you know, a group of four students come up with a, their own three-beat pattern and we share out. Yeah. So just giving them opportunities to, to be composers or arrangers whenever they can is also fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, there's lots of excellent songs in 3-4, but really one that I use as a go-to because the kids all know it is, Take me out to the ball game. And I get out yeah. my bouncy balls, and I've got a set from Oriental Trading, which are world bouncy balls. Oh. And so they're kind of clear, but inside they're blue and green, and they, you could, they actually you can see find Africa, and oh, you can fine. find North America. And uh, as soon as I pass them out, they spend a, a couple of minutes just like staring at, you know, all the, <laughs> all the details in the little bouncy balls. Yeah. Um, but then I loved doing that bounce catch pass bounce catch but you with the kids doing it on their own so they bounce it on the floor catch it with one hand pass it to their other hand um, while we're singing a known three four song uh, that's you have to expect that you're gonna have balls bouncing everywhere and of course yeah. so you just have to set it up to, for them to be successful and, and just say if you're and I do say balls. I yeah, know. I, I, I know. we've talked about this, but um, I, the, what are we going to call them? Like they're going to get over it eventually. Chase your world sphere. If your, your world sphere. sphere goes, then it's your job to go get your world sphere. I just go balls. I say bouncy balls, but yeah, I, I you know I don't. It's, if it's not a problem, then they don't mess they with get it. giggly like initially, <laughs> but I mean. Yeah, and then it goes away because right. what are you dealing with? You're dealing. I do say bouncy balls. Yeah, but it, the balls are still there. If it, yeah, it's probably for some kids even funnier. But well, whatever. <laughs> am, am I going to avoid using this awesome tool because? Well, no, of course not. <laughs> but yeah, you just know your audience. Know your audience exactly. <laughs> but racquetballs are good. Racquetball yeah. balls. Yeah, tennis balls really are good. Great size. I find the racquetballs versus the tennis balls are. I like that the racquetballs are a little bit smaller. Yeah. And um, I think they they don't go flat as quickly as the tennis balls do. Yeah, the tennis balls tend. But then you give them to your art teacher who puts them on the bottom of the stools. Of their stools, true. So that good they don't repurpose. go squeak squeak all over the place. <laughs> Makes sense. So you know you can repurpose and feel good about that. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I, I like to have them move and conduct. We need to talk about conducting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always done a little conducting unit, so to speak. I don't, you know, do traditional units in that way very often, but once in a while I'll do something like this that's very specific and it seems to fall kind of towards the end of third grade after I've taught um, dotted half note, three, four meter. And I did buy one point in time, and I don't remember where, but I bought a set of these little cheap, you know, plastic batons. And, you know, then we, you know, I, I teach the kids how to conduct, you know, when we learn each meter, but I do a very specific conducting unit then at that time where they're, they get the batons and mm -hmm. they get to actually show different meters. See, your I instrumentalist play. is showing through because. I never think of batons. Oh, well, I think that the kids are fascinated with them. Yeah. Kids are really fascinated with conducting in general, and it's really fun then to show. And there's you know, some excellent videos, yeah. Exactly, great YouTube videos of, you know, Gustavo Dudamel and all of these very dramatic, yeah. you know, conductors, I female conductors especially. Mm -hmm. and, and I um, always love to show Marin Alsup because yes. she used to conduct the Colorado Symphony. Yeah, she's one of ours. Well, fantastic. we claim her, even yeah. though she's been everywhere. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, yeah, kids just really love to learn about what conductors do. And, of course, besides the beat, what else are they doing? What right. else are they showing? And it's just really fun to give them um, each their own batons. And of course, you have to find that. I'm, I've never had a broken baton. That's awesome. You know, I'm more worried about like an eye getting poked out. But, okay. um, you know, we talk a lot about it before they're passed out and mm -hmm. they know they have to be very careful. I've seen a blog post or something along the way of kids um, conducting with like uh, glow sticks. And I thought that oh. would be really fun. I've never done it, but. Um, Aren't they kind of floppy? Well, no, you can get. Ones that are more stiff oh, than I like think the, could work. Okay, but how not have like them the like, little ones? No, 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 like the longer ones. But to have them like conduct along with like Star Wars or something. Oh, well, things. yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh huh. So now I'm just brainstorming some ideas. What a great program idea! There you go. Uh -huh. But yeah, conducting is really fun. Kids love it. Yes. On this show, we're actually going to introduce a new section within our podcast, and it is called the Work Smarter, Not Harder tip. And what this is, is we would like to give a little technology maybe, or maybe just a basic classroom tip. If you've been teaching for a very long time, maybe it's something where you go, well, of course I do that. And um, maybe it's something that you hadn't thought about and you go, oh, wow, I could use that. So take it for what it's worth, but this is our work smarter, not harder tip for today. So Carrie, tell us about yours. All right. So um, now in this age of technology, you know, I'm not using a CD player with a remote control anymore. All of my music is uploaded on my laptop. My laptop's connected to my speaker. I have my playlist of what songs I'm going to use for the day. But something that was always bugging me with this situation is I didn't have a way to access the music without standing right next to my laptop. So if I'm teaching a, a game or having the kids do a listening activity and I'm in a different part of the room, now I have to walk over and hit play on the laptop. And I finally stumbled across a solution that I was so excited about. And it's an app called Splashtop. Yay. And Splashtop is an app that you can put on your iPad. I, I don't know if it works on an iPhone. It might be hard, some, huh. something so small. But I know for sure on an iPad. And um, it allows you to mirror your computer screen to your iPad That's so awesome. you can access everything on your is it, laptop. Does it cost? 
No, it's, well, okay, I take that back. Maybe it does cost a little bit, but it's part of our district tech package. I what? believe. I believe. Really? Okay, now I'm starting to doubt myself because no, it's I, been a while. I want to believe. But you, <laughs> you want to believe. It's fabulous because then you can use your iPad basically like a remote control. Yeah. So in my classroom, like I have a little cozy corner where we sit and read books and sometimes I want to play music and it just ruins the whole mood but for you me can to bring be like, the atmosphere. wait, yeah. hold on kids, yeah, let that's me go me. ahead and play. I'm running across the room. Exactly. Like... And you're like stepping on a kid's hand it's just awkward so I just sit there and I just all of a sudden I very like stealthily like pick up my iPad and I just hit play and the music starts to play and the kids it's like magic they're like whoa where did that come from and it just allows me to be more mobile so splash top um, I'm sorry that I can't be very specific with you about whether or not it costs money but if it does it's worth it and we're gonna link to that right we will link to it and um I'm sure your I know school you can, tech people yeah. can help you with it. You can do this great. with the Apple Watch, I know. Oh, yeah. Because my PE teacher has an Apple Watch. And when we were doing some things together, she'd be on one side of the gym and she'd just like tap her oh watch. Oh, my gosh. Never thought of the watch. Well, I don't have one of those fancy watches. No, I don't. I, yeah. Anything that just allows me to be more mobile and be able to walk amongst the kids. Yes. It's really magic. Well, and you can bring in the mood there you music. Go. Exactly. And now it's time. You, yeah, you could wrap up. Wow, what great closure you could have. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. If you're really slick, you could do that. Yeah. Coda, where we each share a professional or personal recommendation. So Tanya, you're up first today. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to get personal, uh, but it kind of also is a little bit professional. Um, I'm just coming off of CMEA, the Colorado Music Educators Association conference that happened in Colorado Springs um, a little while ago, and I did two sessions, and one I did with Ellie Falter, uh, who is a doctoral candidate at CU and just a wonderful, wonderful person. And it was been, it was great doing this, this presentation with her. I haven't co-presented in, well, a year since I did with you. Yeah. Um, so it's always fun to, to do that. And we had a session on mindfulness in the music room, um, talking about um, little bits of mindfulness that you can do in, a mu- in the music classroom and some of the research that's gone on with teaching kids mindfulness. And um, it's just been something I've been interested in and I've been doing with my students since uh, the beginning of the year. And so, you know, it, it's fun to kind of geek out on it. So here I am, I'm going to geek out on it a little bit and just give a little recommendation. Uh, one of the things that Ellie and I talked about is um, when you are sitting up to do mindfulness in your own classroom, you really need to establish a practice yourself. And that might mean meditation, or it might mean finding an activity that you can be very engaged in and mindful about and present without any other thoughts distracting you. Um, But anyway, to that end, um, I have this awesome TED Talk video that I have watched several, several times that is just excellent, that talks about the benefits of mindfulness. And this particular TED Talk was for a youth TED Talk conference that actually took place in Denver, and it's aimed towards high schoolers, teenagers. Mm -hmm. And it's called Why Aren't We Teaching You Mindfulness? And it's given by Anne-Marie Rossi. 
And it's just one of those TED Talks. I don't know if you've had the experience where you're watching, well, anything, anybody talk, and you just want to yell out hallelujah and yes. amen and preach and you said it and like you just want to stand up and go, yeah, right right on. That's it. So um, <laughs> this is one of those for me. And I just think she has some excellent things to say. Like all TED Talks, it's like less than 20 minutes of your time. So if you are interested in this, um, I'll hook up the link and, and you can go and view it for yourself. Awesome. Yeah. And what about you? Tell us something that you would like to re recommend. Um, well, I might be a little slow to recommend this because it's been out for a while, but I just need to put a shout out <laughs> to the movie The Greatest Showman. As cheesy as it must sound, um, if you haven't seen it, it's a really good feel good movie. Yeah, I finally saw it. Yeah, Tanya your finally recommendation. saw it. I, I've been bugging her. And, you know, this is something that I was just really excited to be able to take my kids, um, my son is eight and my daughter's five, to be able to go to a movie that wasn't a cartoon, to be able to go to a movie where people are live action-ish singing. And breaking um, in the song. And, yeah. Which is and, important. And, <laughs> yeah, just something that didn't involve princesses or so you know yeah um and they both loved it I wasn't sure you know my daughter being five if it was going to be a little too much for her um, not cartoony enough but she loved it as well and so the soundtrack has been on non-stop in my house yeah. so I feel like our house is a little bit obsessed with it right now but it's just something that we really enjoy as a family we listen to it in the car we all sing along I even caught my son singing in the shower Aww. to one of the songs and very tunefully I might nice, add I was very nice. proud um and I hear that there's a there are now sing-along showings out there what? where you can you go and they actually Already? have sing-along with the lyrics so I think this I don't think weekend, it's been out long enough for that no I, I really truly have heard really? this that it's happening I don't think there's a ton of showings are we weekend. dressing as well I think we should go, Tanya. No, a bit like, are people children. dressing like characters? Oh, I don't think it's like that. <laughs> but I think it just allows you to be able to sing a lot. Oh, I would and totally so go for I that. I think yeah. I need to take my kids to this. So if you haven't seen The Greatest Showman, you should definitely it is, check it, it out. Is, it is so much fun. And, I mean, just know it's not, you know, the highest quality of music out there. But No, but the production numbers poppy. are very well done. Yes, There's yeah. something with it. You know, there's a duet on trapeze. Oh, yeah. I mean, when have you seen it's that? It's visually stunning and just a lot of fun. And, um, yeah. And if you have seen it, see if there's a sing-along version <laughs> in your town. Yeah, I want to check now. Definitely. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. Yes, and check back because next time we'll be talking about recorders in the music classroom. So until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking. Coda to the Coda. We just checked, and the sing-along of The Greatest Showman is no longer available. Boo. Ah, uh, yeah. just thought you'd want to know. Go see it anyway. Go see it anyway. <laughs>